Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. You guys, uh, you won't mind, will you? I haven't had breakfast yet. <laughs> uh, uh, just give me a second here. <laughs> it just it struck me earlier today that um, somebody said, John, um, a lot of times when you get to preach around here, you always start out eating something. It's true. I have a problem. Uh, <laughs> I have a problem. Number one, maybe I should get up and, and have some breakfast beforehand, but... You can't, you can't avoid this. You know what this is, right? Bacon. Now how many of you are mad? How many bacon lovers are in the house? Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I have a problem. Uh, everything, everything tastes better with bacon. When, when I go to a restaurant and I'm like looking through the menu... The moment I read the word bacon, I'm like, that's what I'm having. It doesn't matter if you just sprinkle it on there. It doesn't matter what you do. Candy it. What? Candied bacon. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love, I just love me some bacon. And so as we were thinking about um, this week's message and Matthew chapter 8 that we're going to kind of explore together today, one of the things um, that came up in all of this was that Jesus actually asked people to give up bacon. Now, I'm willing to follow Jesus a long way. But when he starts asking me to give up bacon, that might be problematic, huh? I mean, what do you think? Do not raise your hand on this one. How many of you love Jesus more than bacon? Do not raise your hand. But... Jesus does this crazy thing and this weird, weird story that takes place in Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 28. And it says this, And when Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee basically, in the region of the Gadarenes, uh, two men uh, were possessed by demons, met him. And they lived in a cemetery, and they were so violent that no one could go through that area. And they began screaming at him. Why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? And there happened to be a large herd of pigs that was feeding in the distance. And so the demons begged, we want some bacon. Oh, wait, it doesn't say that, but... It does say, they begged, uh, if you cast us out, send us into that herd of pigs. Jesus said, all right, go. So the demons came out of the men, and they entered into the pigs, and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake, and they drowned in the water. Other passages of Scripture share with us in this particular story that this was about 2,000 pigs. 
that jumped off of this steep cliff and they drowned because Jesus said, you can go have your bacon. Demons? Now, folks, just by modern standard, I didn't know how much an average pig cost. How many of you knew how much an average pig cost? Anybody? Anybody? Going once, going twice? Obviously, I'm preaching in uh, uh, suburban Maryland. <laughs> the average pig, I mean, seriously, when it's all said and done, 2,000 of these things is anywhere from $1 to $1.6 million by today's standards. Just jumped off right there into the lake, the Sea of Galilee. Jesus said, all right, and they go, and they drown. And the herdsmen fled to the nearby town, telling everyone what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And then the entire town came out to meet Jesus, but they begged him to go away. They begged Jesus to go away and to leave them alone. Don't mess with our bacon. Right? So here he is. He is sound asleep in this boat. And it's only been just a few hours ago when his disciples had woke him up in a panic because the storm was coming in. And they were like, hey, Jesus, we're going to drown. We don't know what we're going to do. And, he's like, and he had to wake up and he had to calm the storm. And so finally the guy had just gotten back to sleep. And he's in the back of this boat. And he's just sleeping, snoring, drooling. Again, I've said this before, he was drooling. He was a man. Men drool when they sleep. And as he's like sitting there, all of a sudden he's waking up. It's early morning time. And he's starting to notice that, they're, that, that they seem to be a little bit off course as to where he thinks that they, he, they need to go. You see, most of the time when you see Jesus... You don't discover that he's got a, a, a big appointment schedule for the day. Jesus was kind of the one that just got up every day and just got on the road. And wherever ministry took him, that is what he did. But on this particular day, he had something very special in mind. And so as he's sitting in the back of the boat and he's, and he's getting the sleep out of his eyes and he's taking a drool off of his beard, uh, he's looking up and he's like, guys, where are we about to dock? And they're like, well, right over here, Jesus. Jesus said, no, I want to go over there. We need to dock like right over there. Here comes Peter. He was the smart one in the bunch. Now, Jesus, you've got to understand, we cannot, we cannot park it right over there. Because if we park it where you want to park it, that is dangerous ground. Jesus is like, what's so dangerous about this? I just want to park it over there. Well, see, we've heard that there's these two guys, and they got like demons in them. And they are up there, and they live in a cemetery. And I ain't parking no boat in a cemetery. Bad things happen when you park a boat in a cemetery. Jesus is like, oh, just park the boat where I asked you to park the boat, Peter. But Jesus, you got to understand, but these two guys, they got the demons in them in the cemetery. And, and there's 10,000 demons in them, Jesus. Have you ever met somebody with 10,000 demons? Well, here's the truth is, Jesus had not because he didn't have a mother-in-law. So anyhow, uh, <laughs> did I say that? Did that 
come out of my mouth? Would you guys do me a favor and not tell Dr. Drew I said that? So, it is not recorded. Cut it off now. So sure enough, Jesus is like, just park it where I asked you to park it, Peter. And they parked the boat. And they got out. And as Jesus started getting out of this boat and walking into the cemetery, the two guys that had 10,000 demons in them, they start coming toward him. They're going to meet up with Jesus. And all of the disciples, I'm sure, were kind of back behind Jesus like, hey, look, look. He's on his own on this one. <laughs> we're, we're not messing with this. Meanwhile, just remember that this was the same Jesus that they saw just a couple of hours ago. Calm an entire storm and now they're going to be worried about going into this dangerous place. And so... As Jesus gets out, these two demons, possessed men, they come up to him. And here's what I think is interesting. The demon-possessed guys are the ones that are scared. Huh? Look what they, look what they say to him. They, they turn around and they, they, they look at him and they say, um, so the demons begged, if you cast us out, then send us into the herd of pigs. Why have you come to interfere with us, you son of God? Have you come here to torture us? Before God's appointed time. And Jesus is like, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what I'm here to do. You see, because here's what's going on is you've got two guys that I don't know what kind of choices they'd made in their life. I don't know what had happened to them up to this point. But whatever had transpired, they had dealt with enough evil that demons had actually come and possessed them. I mean, they were in a bad spot, folks. They were not in a spot that any type of counseling could take care of. They were not in, a, in the type of spot that any type of self book could help, help book could take care of. They were not in a spot that they could watch Oprah and it would be, all be okay. They were not in this kind of spot. They were in a spot that only Jesus could do something about. They were demon-possessed. And Jesus, he looks at them and said, you bet you demons, I've come to torment you. Because here's what I care about the most. I care about the most about these two men that are possessed by you. I want them to have their lives back. Now let me tell you something. If Jesus cares that much, if Jesus cares that much about giving the lives back to two men who in whatever way, shape, or form have made such decisions where demons were able to possess them, 10,000 of them, then he certainly cares enough for you today and whatever it is that you're going through that you don't think you can get through. He wants to heal it, and he wants to get you on the other side also. And Jesus looks at them, and he says, yeah, you bet I came to torture you. You bet I came to do that. And they said, well, okay, if you're going to do it then, do me a favor, and can we just go have some bacon? As our final pleading, like, last meal on planet Earth, before you cast us out, can we just have some bacon? And Jesus says, fine, have your bacon. And he cast them out, 
and 10,000 demons come, and they possess these pigs. And the pigs take off running toward the cliff, and they all jump in. 2,000 of them, $1.6 million worth of bacon, drowns. Now, I'm just going to tell you, at this point, if you are, if you, are you know, a, a, a member of the humane society, Jesus is not your favorite person at the moment. Because you've got to admit, that's kind of disturbing, isn't it? It really is disturbing, isn't it? That Jesus would call these demons and let them possess 2,000 pigs and, and drop into a sea and die. But because I will just tell you, the reason why he did that is because people are way more important than pigs in Jesus' mind. There's no way around it. These two men were the, the ones that mattered most. Jesus had just walked into this situation, and quite frankly, he had changed everything. And that's what I love about Jesus. And it's also what I absolutely find the most disturbing about Jesus is that when Jesus walks into a situation, he just changes everything. When he walks into your life, your life is going to get totally and radically flipped upside down. And if you haven't had the experience yet of having your life completely and totally flipped upside down, then there's a good chance you need to ask yourself, have I really decided to become a follower of Jesus? Because that's what he does. He walks into this situation. He walks into a situation that's scary, first of all. Because you know something? If change is going to take place in your life, it's going to take some courage. I meet a lot of people that say, hey, listen, pastor, I want to be different. I don't want it to be this way. I meet a lot of people that come and they sit down in an office and they say, hey, I want, I want counseling. I don't want to talk about this. And, it, and meanwhile, oh, wait a second. Wait, wait. Ooh, ooh, no, the truth you're giving me right now means i got to change something. I thought I wasn't going to have to do that. I thought I wasn't going to have to change. I, I thought everything would be different um, just because I came down and sat down and talked. No, change takes courage. Ta change takes walking into situations you don't want to be in. Change causes you to have to be different than you are today. Jesus change, it takes courage. Jesus not only does that, but Jesus will make you give up everything. Did you hear that? Even $1.6 million, ouch. You say, oh, no, he's going to talk about money. Not really. Not really. Jesus is talking about money. I'm just telling you what he said. When it's all said and done, folks, he asks you to give up everything like I mean there is nothing in your life that's not off limits for Jesus to touch and do something with did you hear that there is nothing in your life that is off limits I mean look at what this situation called for Jesus looked and said hey I've got to I'm not just going to teach these couple of guys that I love them so much that I'm going to cast the demons out of them but I'm going to teach an entire town I'm going to teach an entire community that their economy is not the most important thing we're in the middle of an election cycle right now. And I love to hear people talk about the fact that what matters most is nothing more than the economy. In fact, at one point, 
in the past, we've seen that, hey, it's all about the economy, period. It's about jobs. It's about this. And that's all we've got to do. Can I tell you something? Jesus just doesn't really care about that. He created this thing called economy, and he can take it away as fast as he gave it. Jesus cares about people. And he looks at this entire community and he says, you know what, I will wipe out your entire economy because I want you to see that there are two men that have been in this cemetery for how long and you guys have ignored them, you have, you have stayed away from them, you have allowed them to live out in a cemetery. You have not loved them, you've been scared of them. Jesus is looking saying, I will wipe out everything that's important to you in order to show you that people matter the most. Jesus is going to ask you to give up everything in order to go up. And Jesus' change is going to alienate you from people that are unwilling to change. Folks, I'm not going to lie to you. If you decide to follow Jesus and you decide to follow him seriously, when it's all said and done, you're going to lose some friends. You just really are. You're not just going to lose some friends, you're going to lose some family. You really are. There's going to be people that you just got to look at and say, hey, listen, I'm going this direction. This is what Jesus has called me to do. And that means that I've got to, I got to break up with this person because this person doesn't love Jesus. And if you're out there right now, you're dating somebody, you're with somebody, and they don't love Jesus more than they love you, let me go ahead and tell you, that relationship's not going to work. Unhealthy plus unhealthy does not equal healthy. Unhealthy plus healthy does not equal healthy. Healthy plus healthy equals healthy. So when it's all said and done, Jesus is going to alienate you from people that maybe you love, that maybe say, hey, listen, you know, Jesus wants to change them too, not at the sake of you going bad. He wants you to follow him first and foremost and give them the opportunity to see what a real example is. Jesus' change cares about others, as we've already said, more than anything else. He's the one that matters. The interesting thing is this miracle takes place. These people of this town had been scared to go down anywhere close to the cemetery. Cemetery, cemetery, same thing. Um, the... They'd been scared. I can say that. I've been to one, okay? Here's the whole deal. They're, they've been scared to go to, down to the cemetery forever. Nobody would even, like, walk around the place. And what does Jesus do? He suddenly makes it to where friends and family can come and put some flowers on the grave again. He, he finally opens it up and says, hey, listen, now these two guys, they can like become productive citizens of society again. They don't have to be locked up. They don't have to be put away. They don't have to be kept, kept separate from everybody else. But what was this town worried about? The herdsmen run away from this moment. They run to the town. They tell everybody what has happened. $1.6 million of the economy is gone. It's shot. Forget the two people now that are saved. And they come, the people of the town come out to him. They want to meet this guy. 
Who had the power to be able to make this change in these two guys' lives? They want to meet him. But when they show up to meet him, look what they say to him. Would you please go away? Jesus, we don't want your type here. We would rather people live in bondage. We would, we would rather live in fear in order to make sure that we have our bacon. Jesus, that's what we would rather do. And they asked Jesus to go away. And I think there's a real story for us in that. What is it that Jesus is calling you to change? What is it right now in your life that he's trying to flip upside down, that he's trying to make different in you? And are you going to be willing to go ahead and accept it, no matter what it means that he takes away and no matter what it means that he gives to you? And by the way, what he gives to you is always way better than what he's going to take away. But whatever he's asking to take away and whatever he's asking to give, the question becomes, are you going to look at him and say, Jesus, yes, I will take it. Yes, I want it. Or are you going to look at Jesus and say, go away. I don't want you. I'm fine doing life by myself. I'm good to go. She's a beautiful young lady, incredibly talented, smart writer, had come up through the ranks very, very, very fast. In fact, she was one of the top editors from one of America's mid-sized cities at the time, and she actually um, became pretty good friends with myself over the course of several months. But I could tell that the, in the first time in, in, in talking with her that um, she did not have faith in any way, shape, or form. In fact, she was incredibly skeptical of even becoming friends with a pastor. But every time something would come up that they would have to write an article about the newspaper, she would call me or she would say, hey, um, John, tell me what it is that you think about this particular subject. And again, we became friends and we talked and, and, uh, and, and we talked more and more about faith all of the time. And then she told me one day an incredible story. When she was young, her dad had actually been a pastor. And all of a sudden, one day he came home when she was just a little girl. And she had a caring and loving and incredible father. But he came home one day when she was just a little girl. And he said, we're done with church. There is no God. We're never going to talk about it again. We are finished. And from that moment on, because she loved her dad so much, as little girls should, she just went with it. She got educated, became a high-level professional, but she just went with it. We talked for hours. And she would come to me with this argument and that argument about Scripture and this apologetical idea and th that apologetical idea, and we would talk for hours and I would just explain to her over and over and over again the fact that, hey, listen, the more you study, the more you're going to find out that there's some truth in this entire thing called Jesus. It's not just faith. It's faith based off fact. 
And I'll never forget the night that we sat there at a table. And just earlier that evening, somebody had walked up that knew her, and she had introduced me as Pastor John. And then she said, he's one of the coolest pastors I've ever known because, like, I can't, I can't out-argue him when it comes to this stuff. And the later on in the same conversation, she looked at me and she said, you know why I can't believe this? You know why I cannot believe this? She said, I cannot believe this. Because if what you're telling me is true, she goes, I can't argue anything else against you or what you believe. But if what you're telling me is true, then my dad is in hell. And I can't go to heaven if, if my dad is in hell. There's nothing else to say at that point. When you're confronted with the real Jesus, you either have to decide yes or you have to look at him and say, go away. There is no in-between. He's calling you to change. Whether you know him already or you don't know him at all, he's calling each and every one of us to change. And the answer is either I will or Jesus, go away. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment this morning. How many of you would just look and say, hey, uh, Pastor John, again, just every head bowed, every eye closed, just because here's the deal. It's nobody else's business. This is between you and God. But you would be willing, and I just, I'm asking you because I just want to be able to pray for you this morning and say, listen, Pastor John, I just know that I know God's calling me to change something, and i got to decide what I'm going to do with Jesus. Would you just raise your hand and say, hey, that's me? Because I want to be able to pray for you right now in just these next couple minutes. God's calling me to change. Just don't be afraid. It's okay. Nobody's looking around. Just, hey, God's calling me to change, and i got to do something with it. Heavenly Father, you see these hands. You see these people. God, you know whatever it is that's going on in their life. Lord, what he might want to change in their lives right now, they might be addictions. They might be jobs. They might be unhealthy relationships. They might be different choices with their finances, God. Whatever it might be that you're calling um, these folks in this room to do, then I just pray that you're going to give them today the courage to do it. I pray, Lord Jesus, that the church of Severn Run would not be a church that when Jesus uh, does something, a miracle in front of us, that we get mad because that miracle took something away that we loved a lot. But God, I pray that the church of Severn Run would be the type of church that when Jesus does something, a miracle among us, we look and we accept it and we say thank you for doing it and most of all, thank you for changing lives because nothing else matters. Help that to be us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to ask you if you would please stand this morning. We're going to have people that are up front down here and they would be more than happy to talk with you. They'd be more than happy to pray with you. If you want to just pray about whatever that change is in your life that God's calling you to make, we invite you to come and just to kind of be a part of the worship today. And all I want to ask is please, please, under no circumstances, walk out of here today looking at Jesus and saying, go away.
Because if you'll accept the change that he wants to make in your life, I've got news for you. You're about to go places you never dreamed of going. You're about to do things you never dreamed of doing. And they're going to be way more amazing than anything you could have ever imagined. Jesus, thank you for making that possible. Thank you for making that true and real. And may we live up to it. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.